Just this weekend, you and others gathered together to play some 12, 16 hours worth of hide and seek. Absolutely. Is that correct? Yeah, that's but, absolutely correct. And then the kicker is you didn't start until some 9 o'clock at night. Right. And you went until 7 a.m. 7 a.m. So what is, that's like 10 hours of, of yeah. nonstop hide and seek. I mean, you know, there's a little bit of stop and go here and there. There's breaks built in. And a gospel presentation at some point during the night. Very but, good. yeah, it's, it's go, 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 playing hide and seek. A classic. I did this same event when I was in high school at this church uh, that you work at. Yeah, I led it once. Like, I helped lead it once as an adult, too. It's a hoot of a time. It's, you enjoyed uh, yourself? I did. Describe uh, the night for us. Okay. So, man, how in, how in-depth do you want me to be? Uh, we had... 35-ish kids come. Um, we load them up with pizza. and. What exactly is 35-ish? I don't know. 30, 34, 35, somewhere in there. It was, it was close to that. 36? It was either 34 or 35. I can't okay. remember off the top of my head. All right, go on. <clears throat> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, but we you know, load them up with a bunch of junk food and then turn all the lights off in the church. And, and you have to wait till it's dark outside, yeah, so it's like 9 o'clock. Right. And then, you know, there's different types of games that you play. Um, <clears throat> they have to find their leaders. Their leaders have to find them. Sardines. Find the glow sticks. It's a fun night. Have you ever eaten sardines? I've never eaten sardines, no. no. What's you? the little fish that comes in a tin, tin can? Is that sardines? I think that's sardines. Or is that, what's, what comes on pizza? What do people get on pizza? Uh, anchovies. Oh, I'm thinking of anchovies. anchovies. I've had neither and will have neither. I will say that... I think sardines is one of the first things that Micah ate because Hannah was like, hey, he can try this. And our house smelled disgusting for a week. So, yeah, not a fan. Not a fan. The game, though, was fantastic. The game sardines. Yeah. I knew a guy once in a youth group oh, gosh. playing a game, eat whatever's in the brown paper bag. Oh, no. What was in the brown paper bag is an- anchovies. Oh, I think no. anchovies in the little can. And uh, he stood right up for the, uh, to be the representative for the guys, and he just downed them. No. Yeah, man. He was about that. No. He said he likes them. He said he eats them, like, regularly. Listen, your boy would have thrown up. No. Who? You? Me. I'm done. Not Stop. having it. Can't have it. So, good good games of night, uh, yeah. hide-and-seek, though. Was there a winner in the end? A group uh, one? Did y'all keep score? Okay, okay. Now that we're here, I've got to tell you this. So, you know, having experienced night vision for yourself, it, you, you know, you give uh, points out randomly throughout the night sometimes. <laughs> try to keep things a little close. Um, listen, yes, at one true. point, it was around 4.30 in the morning. I'll try to be quick. I looked in. I, the kids went. I was going to stay in the youth room during that game. Uh, I was going to run to the restroom when the kids left. So I walk into the bathroom, and let me just tell you, what was in that toilet was ungodly. <laughs> it was sinful. It was not good. Um, so when the kids came back to the room, I said, uh, <laughs> excuse me, I said, hey, I've got a 1,000 points for whoever unclogs that toilet and wow. gets rid of that poop in, wow. that, in that toilet. And one of our seniors jumped up and ran into the bathroom. Senior uh, in high school. Yeah, senior in high school, not senior. But imagine adult. if it was a senior adult. Senior adults, man. 
can you imagine senior adults in night vision? Anyway, I don't want to get too far off track. But <laughs> so everybody's laughing that, that this particular kid has gotten up to go do this. And then the, the brilliant idea struck. I'm not going to lie, it came from a student. But then my next question was, hey, I've got a 1,000 points for whoever claims that nasty thing in wow. there. And uh, this poor, sweet, little sixth-grade kid who you know raised his or her, but his hand, and said, it was me. I was tired. I'm sorry. And just busted out crying. (laughs) But that 1,000 points won the night for his team. Wow. And, yeah, it was was incredible. He should have double-dipped. He should have unclogged and then clogged. He should have done both for sure. (laughs) Justin, right now, from where we're seated, I can see your office. You can. Let the listener understand. Justin, I was perusing the news this week, and uh, I came across a story, a developing story, that's been around for quite some time. Uh, but I thought uh, now would be an appropriate time to talk about it. It's been something I've wanted to, uh, I've wanted to think about and even ask other, another person what they thought about it. Brittany Griner. Now, oh, you know gosh. Brittany Griner quite well. Uh, yeah, I, I do, in the sense of, like, not personal. She was something of a crush of yours. Before. No, okay, that might be going a little farther than <laughs> what I said earlier. Actually, it's probably not. But anyway, no, that's not, not the case, no. But we're the same age, and so as I was growing up, you know, getting into late high school, early college, she was on Sports Center a lot. So You were a burgeoning college athlete. And at the same time, she was a burgeoning college athlete. Yeah, you know what? We don't even need to correct the record on that. Yeah, I was. I have a second question. Okay. Is burgeoning a word? I would think so. I'm thinking I, of a word. I, I think it is. I think I think that's the word you were looking Justin, for. Justin, tell the good people yeah. of the back at it audience. Right. Who is Brittany Griner? So Brittany Griner is a, a fairly skilled um, women's basketball player. She plays in the WNBA. She played at Baylor University, pretty sure. And uh, she can dunk a basketball. Which one, of the, is one of the few common. lady basketball players that dunk it on a 10-foot goal. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, that is that is who Brittany Griner is. She was very good, number one draft pick sure. in the WNBA draft in her class. Sure, probably. Won. Did Baylor win the national championship I, that year? I think they won multiple. Because I mean, you know, the women don't come out early. They Do stay they not? all four years now. Not even her. No, no, they they stay all four wow. years. So, WNBA and NBA players both. Um, in their off seasons, they'll do – so now she's in WNBA. Who does she play for? Do you know? Is it the Phoenix? I have no idea. Is it the Phoenix Mercury? absolutely no idea. If we were smart, we'd know this. We would. So, they basketball players like Clay Thompson, Steph Curry, and WNBA b- basketball players are known for traveling to other countries in the offseason to play in other leagues or put on clinics or just sell sure. merch, all this kind of stuff. Uh, guys do it a lot in China. Apparently, the ladies do some of this in Russia. Yeah. And so she traveled to Russia. Um, on it says she was convicted on August fourth. So she traveled to to Russia just a few months ago, and at some point in August, um, and or was that August of last year? No. So, so she okay. Was so she traveled. Yeah. She was sentenced when? She was sentenced in August. She traveled like it's yeah. Been I thought eight it was. Ago. I thought it was a yeah. long time ago. Yeah. So she traveled and she uh, was caught having. Drugs on her yeah. cannabis oil, I guess, for yep. like a vape pen or something. That's correct. You're not supposed to do that, right? Not supposed to bring drugs into another country. Right. Probably not a smart idea to bring drugs into Russia. Probably, you know, probably not. Just and a listen, hey, to, to point to point this out too, like she's been going over and playing in this Russian league for I think it said seven years, six or seven years. Um, so this wasn't a first time trip for her. I think it's important to point that out. 
Right. She knew what she'd been doing. Yeah. Um, or she knew where she was going. She'd right. been traveling like this for a while. She, certainly, she's traveled other places. Like she knows sure. you, know, you can't bring that kind of stuff. Sure. They're gonna they're gonna try it. I'm interested to know why. Like I'd love to. I mean, people have speculated why she thought she could get away with this, or maybe it was just a lapse in judgment. I don't know. But like you said, she's been in jail or she's been in custody for eight or nine months now. Yeah. She was sentenced. You're right on August fourth. Yep. Uh, just a few months ago, to nine years um, and close to ten years, or yep. a maximum of ten years. And then recently, after she appealed, the Russian court. The headline that we have is that they uh, upheld. Yeah. The Russian court has upheld this uh, nine-year term with a maximum potential of ten years. Um, so, Justin, now lots has come about. A lot of people make the argument, make the case that we as a country, we as Americans, Mm -hmm. have a responsibility to do what we can to get her back. She's an American national, or is that the term? She's an American citizen in another country, in custody. We know about her. She's not like a nobody, because a lot of times a nobody, maybe a nobody journalist or just a nobody in general, might get themselves into trouble. But we know about her. You know, there's some privilege there. She's well known. Um, but we end up knowing about her on the national level. We have some responsibility. We have a lot of responsibility to get her no matter what. Mm-hmm. And um, certainly some there have been some other things that have hit the news lately. Joe Biden, I believe, the president of the United States, proposed a trade between this guy that we have in, in our custody who's a Russian <clears throat> nationalist. He was a... Uh, um, or Russian national. He was an arms dealer that we have arrested. Yeah, pretty some, dangerous guy there, right? Like, not a good man. Well, we arrested from, him. We have him in custody in our country for, yeah. for being an arms dealer. So, Justin, I have thoughts on this. Um, not dogmatic thoughts, but I have some thoughts on this. What do you think is our responsibility as Americans and as Christians when some one of us, one of yeah. our Americans, goes overseas, gets themselves into a kind of trouble like this? Yeah. How should our listeners, how should we be thinking about the Brittany Griner situation? Man, I think this is one of those conversations with just a ton of gray area. I don't know that there's a lot of black and white here. Um, so I think as a country, if somebody's being held as maybe a political pawn or something like that, maybe we do have a responsibility to uh, to kind of go in and help them. I would say um, – on, on the flip side, if somebody has broken a law, I don't know that it's always our responsibility to bring somebody out of a foreign country for breaking a law that they know about. Um, that's why I say there's a gray area, because what's Russia trying to accomplish right. with holding her captive? And there's a lot prisoner? of political pawning going on with Brittany Griner, because yep. she's well-known, you know, WNBA, NBA, yep. sports media, they're all wrapped up. The, it's a national thing. It has yep. been a national thing. There's some political pawning going on. <clears throat> and then to your point, though, she did break a law. Right. So both of these kind of things play into right. But to me, so this is, if you want me to go ahead and give you my thoughts as far as this particular situation, um, maybe not from a, this applies to everybody scale, but in this particular situation, I, I do think it's our responsibility to see what we can do to, to help her out and bring her home. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm inclined to agree with you, but I do not like the terms of the deal so far. Sure, sure. I don't think we should be giving up you know, a, a true criminal in in this case. Because, listen, what I've read is the amount that she took in is clearly a personal amount that, you know, we know that she has a prescription for in America. Mm-hmm. And, you know, thoughts on that aside, no comment there. But um, they're treating this more as a, like, smuggling, maybe even to distribute right, kind right, of right. situation. It's clearly not that. <laughs> Um, I've read some stuff too where Russia just knows what the what the political climate in America is, where there's all these conversations about um, incarceration for marijuana possession, 
There's conversations about race relations in America. There's conversations about LGBTQ rights in America. And so Brittany Griner fits a lot of this stuff, mm-hmm. and they know that they can kind of play on the American right. emotion here. Um, so, I mean, it's clear that Russia's doing something, trying to get something out of us. So I don't know where you draw the line with what you're willing to give up right. to keep her from going through something that she shouldn't go through. Right, right, right. Yeah. Um, so the political, uh, the um, the White House, um, what is the media correspondent? Who's the lady? Oh, Corrine. Uh, yeah. What's her Karine job title? Jean Pierre, the White House press secretary. Press secretary. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. We're smart. Uh, she <laughs> said that. Uh, see, this is where the messaging is is actually I think hurting Brittany Griner's case. Because people like uh, the NBA players that speak out, like LeBron James, Steph Curry, they've both both spoken out. Um, certainly the NBA, WNBA has spoken out. But then you've got people asking Karine Jean-Pierre, the White House press secretary, about it. And she says this is the messaging is actually hurtful to Brittany Griner. Because she and others um, have said that Brittany Griner is wrongfully detained. Right. And that, and unfortunately, I think this is where messaging is hurting because you have now that I will just say that is a lie, right? It's a political Correct. message uh, to say because it's not true. She did do the things that we've said she did. But what it's doing is when you say that, when you say that she's wrongfully detained and then you start making it a matter of all these things, the issues that you just pointed out, yeah. now I think people on probably our side of the aisle, the political, sure. the, the right side of the aisle, sure. the guys at the Daily Wire, the guys on Fox News, they're responding too far in the other direction. Because right. I see all the conversation that, and the guys that I routinely check up on for news or information are responding too far on the other side being like, we should never help, we should not help her, she knew what she did and all that. Um, and I think that that is just a reaction to the messaging that a lot of the players and even our own press secretary, Joe Biden's own press secretary, have put out there. And I think it's actually hurting her, yeah. hurting Bernie exactly Grant's case. Right. Yeah. I think you're exactly right on that. Um, I've seen people go as far as to you know say the only way she should ever be allowed back in America is if she'll go on the record and talk about how great America is. Right, right, right. And you know, um, man, I just. I I don't I don't know. I think me and you are pretty much lined up well on this. I think there's a, an extreme reaction either way. Mm-hmm. Should we bring her home? Absolutely, if we can. Should right. we hold this kind of thing against her that she did that's you know kind of wrong? Uh, here, let, let me ask you this. And, and we're not supposed to play this whataboutism, but if it's somebody like uh, a strong conservative who maybe also has a prescription for hmm. cannabis oil or whatever. How do the Republican or conservative talking heads? Right, right, right. How do they respond then? Right, you know, right. and, and yeah. I really think it would be different. I think you hit on something interesting, which is she has been outspoken um, about Amer- all of America's problems for people that look like her and are attracted to what she's attracted to and stuff like that. She's very outspoken about that, and um, I think that we still have a responsibility. Like you don't disown somebody from your family or from your country just because they they speak ill of you necessarily i think we do have a responsibility to a degree even to help her because you're right there are a lot of people saying well she she lost her rights to uh america's defense of her when she started bashing america i don't think that that's helpful it's just it's just not accurate yeah i mean we we live in a country that prides itself on allowing free speech you know right that's the kind of messaging yeah that a country like north korea or china has in their own citizens they're not allowed to speak out they're arrested that's the kind of right. talk that happens in other places. Yeah, uh, when, when, you, when you say she belongs in Russia because she said the things that she said about America, you're essentially wanting right. to be Russia. Right. You know, that's just not okay. On, an, on, a, on, a, on a different story, so two, two headlines this week I thought were related. Um, 
both having to do with the criminal justice system, interestingly enough. Um, I want a unifying issue, really. If you've looked around on Twitter when this happened, this was last week, if I'm, if I'm correct. Uh, last week, the uh, Parkland uh, shooter, so Parkland, it was Parkland High School in uh, Dade County, right? Was it? No, Broward County um, in Parkland, Florida. The shooter, 17 victims, right, that yep. died. Right. Um, a couple of not- notable people that were at the shooting have now gone on to be, like, political activists uh, on both sides of the aisle. Kyle, Kyle Kashev right. is on the right side. Who's the guy on the left side? I can't remember. Oh, man. Yeah, but you know who I'm talking I about. Do. Um, I do. But him. the shooter was was sentenced. The jury came to a conclusion. Justin, you saw this? I did. Justin, what was the verdict? Uh, well, he did not get the death penalty. That's right. What was it, uh, life in prison yeah. with, a, with the potential to – uh, oh, now now the New York Times has set up a paywall. I can't read. That's the what I was about to say. I can't get past the paywall. <laughs> there's a there's a it's a 17 victims life sentence. I think he has the opportunity for parole at at some point. I definitely know he has the opportunity for parole, but I'm not sure at what time. So how should Christians? We just thought about how should Christians uh, think about American citizens that get themselves into trouble overseas, and what links do we go to to try and help them, and who do we try to help, or who do we not help? Now. Uh, Justin, how do Christians, how should Christians think about the death penalty? Justin, how do you think about this instance? Parkland shooter, maybe should he or yeah. someone like him? We don't have to verdict him. We don't, we're not on the jury. But someone like him, a shooter that takes 17 lives, someone that does something like that, can Christians be pro-death penalty? In short, yes. I think we see in Scripture that God was pro-death penalty. Um, <clears throat> listen, I don't, I think, I think it's okay to say, yes, I'm pro-death penalty, but okay to say, no, I don't like the death penalty. Mm. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Um, I think when you look at a case like this, um, you've got someone who, like, there's no question as to his guilt. There's uh, really no question as to his motivation. He just went in and wanted to kill people. I think at that point, someone has forfeited their right to life. Mm. Um, I do think there's a crime you can commit that forfeits your right to life. Right. And if we know beyond a shadow of a doubt that you did it, I personally, I just don't have a problem with the death penalty in that case. Right. I think one, one thing that really shaped my idea of the death penalty was something I heard a few years ago. If, because, and, and this is, you know, you'll hear this every now and then, but it is truly consistently pro-life to be pro-death penalty. I think, sure. I've, I, think I affirm that. Yep. That I've heard that when that it is pro-life to say you've taken life, you you no longer have a right to your life because you've right. taken it. So death penalty for certain crimes, right? That's the thing, right? Death penalty because you sped. Death penalty even because you were you know you were in, engaged in theft. No, yep. death penalty for the taking of another life. You've lost your as you said you forfeited your right to life. Sure, that is actually a pro-life position. I think because you're actually saving lives in that case or the potential to save lives. Yeah, it's it's a consistent argument because like what what people will try to say that you know when they say you can't be christian and or you can't be pro-life and pro-death penalty is they're saying well you're okay with taking a life in that case but the the consistency in that argument is that you truly believe in the sanctity of human life and if someone has violated that sanctity of life then they've lost their right right so yeah i think that makes perfect sense yeah i think so too and i think in this case uh i believe the jury ended up only giving him life i think in their ruling they cited um i know his i know his 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 lawyers were arguing mental instability right Mm -hmm. Uh, and i think the jury might have sympathized with that i have a feeling that that's part of why i haven't read the verdict exactly but i think i have a feeling that's part of why they um 
came down in this way to not give him the death penalty. I find that interesting. I think that there's still a consistent Christian uh, pro-death penalty, pro-life uh, argument to say even with mental, mental instabilities, you commit a crime like this, you do not afford the life to live. I think you get into some gray area there. There are certain cases, right, that sure. you would say he's not in control of himself. You know, I think this shooter was probably on the other spectrum of maybe some mental instability, probably some mental issues, um, more in control of himself than others. You know, I mean, in, in all seriousness, it's very rare that someone could commit these kind of crimes without having some sort of mental instability, right? Right. right. Like, um, but man, to me, if you are if you are capable of doing what he did, you're capable of facing the consequence of. As a teaser, yes, I agree. As a teaser for potentially a future topic, not something we're necessarily going to discuss today, I think this is where Christians need to have a good understanding. If you want to think about uh, Brittany Griner or if you want to think about the death penalty, you need to have a good grasp on the Old Testament law and how it still applies. You don't need to know every verse in Exodus, Leviticus, and Deuteronomy, right? The tellings of the law. You don't need to know every law, every command, every all 613 of them, or 33. You don't need to know all those. But you need to understand how the different branches of those laws apply still today. So why would we cite the Old Testament law to say, when it says in, in Exodus 21, that if you kill somebody, you must be put to death, you know? And he cites various different ones. Why would we say that that still applies versus um, something like um, shellfish or right. pork or something like that? Like, there's reasons for it. There's good arguments for it. Right. And you need to be prepared as a Christian uh, for understanding that. Cause I do like that. That's a great teaser. Maybe we'll do that next week. Because yeah. you're getting me all excited, and I'm about to jump in and start talking about all of it. But, no, I think that's a great, Come back next a week. great, a great concept for a topic in the future. All right, Justin, a couple of headlines. How should Christians think about things? Headspace, yep. you and that big, beautiful brain of yours Man. have been thinking about some things, huh? Yeah, so our church Bible reading plan, uh, we're looking at Ecclesiastes and Revelation. And let me tell you, combining Ecclesiastes and Revelation, man, that's, uh, that's, that's some fun stuff. Also, I want to be clear that I said Revelation, not Revelations. That's that's an important. Have you and I talked about this? I don't I don't know that we have. Do you have do you okay. have strong feelings? There? No. On the other end of things, you know how people call it Psalms. Yeah. And it is the Book of Psalms because the there's a bunch of them. Yeah. Um, but then some people will be like, my favorite Bible verse is Psalms eighteen yeah. one. The Lord yeah. is my rock. Uh, I was preaching at a church recently, and I said, turn in your Bibles to Psalm thirty two. And then somebody in the crowd, I, I don't think this was like a correction. I think. Uh, they were probably nudging to their spouse who's deaf, you know, hard of hearing what book to turn to. But all I hear is turn in your Bibles to Psalm 32. And then I hear out loud uh, in the back, Psalms <laughs> with the plural S. And I was like, I was literally for a second there. I was like, I wonder if that person just corrected me. And I like it. And I think, like I said, I think it was a little bit of a nudge to her husband, but I uh, choose to believe that she corrected me. I think that's funny. That's incredible. People I do that with Revelation. Yeah, I would have I would have frozen. So anyway, yeah. So Justin, you're reading Revelation. Revelation. And every time you go to the news lately, you read a headline and you're like, I think I read that in the book of Revelation. Right, exactly. The attack helicopters and all that kind of stuff. That's how people do it, though, man. Yeah, right. No. But Justin, how do you read it? No, man. I, I look at Revelation and... You know, maybe you and I are similar in this. Maybe we've got a couple of differences. I see the book of Revelation as almost purely symbolic. Um, I think you've got John writing to a group of Christians who have been persecuted. And uh, ultimately, it's, it's a letter of encouragement using a lot of coded language that comes from the Old Testament. 
Um, clearly, like Daniel seven is referenced. Um, man, just a just a ton of stuff. The um, the the plagues in Exodus are referenced in Revelation. Uh, but what what I see is this: instead of hey, don't worry, all your enemies are going to die one day, um, which is kind of a popular thought for some people who really love Revelation. Um, I, a lot of what I see is hey, Christians are going to conquer by embracing the way of Jesus and being willing to love your enemies even to the point of death. Mm. Um, and so I look at it and I read that, and I've come across a couple of, of decent arguments for that. Um, but I, I read it and I just wonder, man, as Christians, if that's the, if that's the last book in, in the canon of Scripture, right, that's the last book we read, and if it really does contain that message of encouraging people towards love, even to that point of death, how are how are we sitting here today, willing to? And I don't think we would use the word hate, but based on our actions, I think it's okay to say it and embrace hatred of our political enemies. Mm. Like, I don't know. I've, just, I've I've been thinking, man. Um, it feels like some things that people embrace about what they think the Book of Revelation will be right. is antithetical to Jesus's life on Earth. I yeah. mean. He, he conquered by giving up his life, right? Yeah. And, I think that's an interesting. Yeah. I have never really delved in those waters to that degree, but I do think that's interesting. I find mo, your, your average, like, American Southeast uh, Baptists or really just Christians interpretation of Revelation quite unhelpful. Um, not exactly for the same reasons as you, Though I can see it that yours, you know, we didn't really talk about this too much. So sure. I can see yours now that I'm thinking about it as an implication. Um, but I've, I've seen it more on the side of like um, people are always looking for uh, people. Are, there's a lot of Christians out there that are always looking for the end of the world. Right. That they find themselves, I think, sometimes with the mentality of and I've heard this time and time again with when it comes to this kind of idea of revelation. But you don't um, you don't polish the uh, brass on a sinking ship. Or you don't rearrange the deck t- the deck chairs on the Titanic. You right. know what I mean? You shouldn't do that. This world is going to hell in a handbasket, right? right. Uh, so why would we do anything about it? You know, Jesus is just going to come back. Um, I heard a, a, a Baptist fundamentalist uh, guy on YouTube one time, but this was like two years ago. So I wonder where he's at now. <laughs> but he said he said uh, you know with regards to COVID and everything, he said it's it's looking real good. Because it's looking real bad. Meaning, we know what Jesus said. We know what Revelation says. When it starts to get real bad and Christians are persecuted and you got to wear the mark of the beast, which is the vaccine and all this kind of stuff, we know Jesus is coming back. You know what I mean? I find that super unhelpful. Yeah. Because I, my understanding of the book of Revelation is on um, the implications of my understanding of the book of Revelation, a little different than yours, though similar, is that um, there's hope in and amidst all of our trials, as there was hope in the midst of all of their trials, right. that John, the people that John, in the time that he was writing to, you know, those people, that there's hope now that actually things can get better. You know what I mean? That the kingdom of earth is like a, I don't know if we talked about this on the podcast or if you and I were just talking about it, but it really is like a mustard seed that grows into a tree, yeah. or it really is like leaven that leavens the whole lump, yeah. that things can actually get better, even in amidst our sufferings. Yeah. I find that stuff unhelpful because it, I think it tends to lean Christians to like, to kind of check out. Yeah. They go to church, they get their, you know, spiritual fill, and then they check out and they're just waiting for the world to get really bad so they can be raptured off to heaven. Right, but even and even to the point where it's like those people that I completely disagree with, I don't care about them anymore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Like um 
the and this is what I was going to say, and it completely slipped my mind, but I'm just coming back and, and revisiting. Uh, one thing I read made the argument that when you see Antichrist in the book of Revelation, you're not necessarily talking about one particular figure who is like the Antichrist. Um, it's, it's things that are, again, antithetical to Christ's mission and Christ's message. Mm-hmm. Um, so Antichrist, for those reading, those early Christians reading, um, is the Roman Empire. Mm-hmm. And the mark of the beast is essentially a question of, is your allegiance going to God? Or is your allegiance going to an earthly empire? Right. And man, that's where I get really concerned because I know a lot of wonderful people who would claim they are God loving and who really I think they are God loving Christians, but man, it feels like their allegiance is to the state sometimes. Mm. And like that's that's more of what they want to talk about. And I feel like that's what the book of Revelation is. Your hope is either in the state or it's in this coming kingdom of God. Right. Right. I think I think there's a lot of that kind of imagery in Revelation, and man, I just as an encouragement to Christians listening, um, not telling you that I'm exactly right because there's man, people have been arguing about Revelation or discussing and debating Revelation for centuries, but just as an encouragement, where's where's your where's your hope? Mm. Are, are you putting it all in the state, or are you recognizing that this is temporary and right. uh, the kingdom of heaven is eternal, and you get to have some part of like you said, um, the the mustard seed, the, mm-hmm. the little bit of leaven, that the whole loaf, what, whatever. The, right. yeah, <laughs> the, yeah. The, I was just gonna let you roll the, it. The quote is, yeah, thanks. Um, appreciate <laughs> appreciate you throwing me the lifeline there. Um, <laughs> you know, we get to be that little bit of of light to a really frustrating world. So don't check mm-hmm. out. Don't don't allow yourself to embrace that hatred of the other side, man. Um, conquer through love. I like that. Yep. So Justin. You would say Revelation is about hope despite trials or hope through trials? Yeah, I think so. And Justin, would you say that uh, hope at the end of the trials, hope at the light at the end of the tunnel has been your time, your experience as a uh, South Carolina Gamecock fan? We can see it. I don't know that we're there, but man, feeling feeling like there's always this hope coming, it's been, it's been some dark times. Alan, yeah, and I think we've all questioned it a little bit. Will the will the good times ever come? You read Revelation and you see this beast with seven horns and seven right. heads coming and conquering over your, and then you think that's Clemson. He looks How like am I ever going to get through this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but no, seriously. And now you've got a glimmer of hope. Your just, boys are ranked, ranked five and two, four game winning streak for the first time since you played Kentucky when their quarterback was hurt. Hey, 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 hey! You know, do you know who played South Carolina when their quarterback was hurt? Every team on the schedule last year. So I don't want to hear it. That's fair. Still won six games. That's seven. Man. You think we're you're going to win that bowl game? You think you're going to win six games this year? You got a tough yeah. stretch coming up. Uh, we've got Missouri. We've yeah, got they're Vandy. six. We've oh, got, you, you have Missouri and Vandy? Yeah, we got Missouri and Vandy back to back. Then we got Florida. I'm going to go ahead and say. So, really, if you don't win seven games, this yeah. is a disappointment. We've won, we've won four in a row. We're sitting at five wins. I'm going to go ahead and tell you, we're going to get seven in a row. We've got Missouri. You we're think gonna, you're going to beat Florida? We're going to beat Florida. Justin. So so to answer your question, man, we've suffered through the trials. We've kept the hope going. Mm. Mm. And our hope is about to be, in a small way, experienced. And then we get to play against Tennessee and Clemson, and it's going to be – That's a tough final stretch. But yeah, Florida, it, it is. Tennessee, and then Clemson. If we were playing Tennessee before we played Florida, I wouldn't have any hope in the Florida game because I think right, we would right. check out a little bit. Right, right. But, You're like, oh, yeah, we're not that good. We're going to be on a seven-game winning streak. We're going to be in the top – 18, 17 teams. Uh, whoa, yeah. whoa. 
We are. I'm, I'm just. I'm telling you, this is what's going to happen. That's big time. Yeah. Also talking about you know the Book of Revelation. There's my little prophecy. You know. Prophecy. <laughs> sorry. Right. Sorry. Let the reader understand. Yeah. yeah. Right. Right. Whoever has what, ears to listen. What a good time, Justin. <laughs> what a good day. Yeah. Well, you know, mostly a good day. Yeah. As confident as I just was, I do still have some fear of the whole South Carolina thing. But beyond that, man, um, did I tell you about my truck? Did I? No? What? Are <laughs> you not going to respond? <laughs> no, Justin, you didn't tell me about your truck. No, oh, okay. Sorry, I was choking over here. Oh, my bad. Didn't Dude, even care. My, my I was truck. on the verge of death. <laughs> Sorry, sounds like you were. Man, my truck broke down. That's terrible, terrible. Just cut this out. Is that, is that in and of itself a prophecy for how South Carolina season will end? I did not expect for these two things to be tied together, but yeah, I think so. So how'd you get here today? Uh, my wife had to drive me here, and I've been, I shouldn't say stuck at the church, but I've been stuck at the church all day. Can't go anywhere, can't do anything. I mean, you know I'm what? working, I'm working. I do have things to do, but. You know. This has been the headache section, and I have a headache for you, Justin. Okay. You know what head, head uh, aches my head? What is whenever you is whenever somebody talks and they say, uh, yeah, I've got I have to go uh, wherever blank. I have to go to church or I have to go to school. And then somebody who wants to virtue signal comes in and is like, no, you get, get to. to. <laughs> you just did that to virtue signal. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. Now, what's something that aches your head, Justin? Something that aches my head. Alan, that was it. My truck broke down and I'm in constant fear of letdown as a South Carolina fan. I wanted to go on for a few minutes about different things that ache each other. I got another thing for you. Do you know anything about John Federer? That one's aching my head. Justin, I meant more. What? Justin, it's been another great uh, time to be. Back at it.